All right, how we doing, everybody? I am your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Big episode for you guys today. Austin Bickett is back. We're going to go over a solid week of picks that we had last week, and we're going to give a full preview and breakdown of both the NFC and AFC championships going down this weekend. We also have the weekend watch list. We're going to talk about LSU Kentucky hoops, the new March Madness schedule, and much, much more. Then Lexi Browning joins me for Bachelor Red Talk. We discuss the mistreatment of our queen, Sarah, and much, much more. What an episode. What a show. Before we get started, our show is, of course, brought to you by Thrive Fantasy Sports. Now that the NBA has started, you can spend every single night with Thrive. They have daily contests going on every single night for the NBA, as well as the NFL this weekend on Sunday. Get your lineups in early and often. Use promo code RED with two Ds for a $20 deposit bonus on any deposit, $20 or more. All right, let's get it going. Right, A.B., Austin Bickett, we are back. There are three football games left. That's very sad, but something that isn't as depressing. We correctly predicted all four games last week. How about that? Yeah, we know our stuff, and it it is sad that there's only three games left, but on the bright side, the two this weekend should be epic, and I don't think there's one Super Bowl matchup that could not be exciting and full of storylines, so no matter who wins this weekend, it's going to be a – Nice two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl and should be another awesome game like it was last year. Yes, you are completely right. Usually when we get down to these last four teams, there's somebody in there that's like plus 700 to win it all, like kind of a long shot. These teams are all kind of thrown in with the same odds. Your long shots of Tampa Bay Bucks are only three and a half to one. It, it really could end up being any of these four teams at the end of the day. But Championship Sunday, it's on the horizon. One of the best days of the year. The Packers bested the light of my life, the LA Rams, 32 to 18. And their prize is Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time, who will now appear in his 14th conference championship, all within the last 20 years. Astounding stat. Base thoughts, Austin, how are we feeling about this one? Yeah, so everybody talks about the uh, the rematch. I think it was uh, like week eight or week 12, something like that. It was a while ago that um, the Bucs... Might have been week five. Yeah, it was was a long time ago. But um, everybody talks about the Bucs killed him. But if you go back and watch that game or just watch the highlights, the Packers dominated the first half. It was 10 to zero after the first quarter. And then back-to-back, Rodgers... One was a pick six, and one got returned to the one or two yard line. And they scored in the next play, so that game really got away from the Packers quick. And I don't think it's going to be like that on Sunday. I don't think anybody expects another Bucks blowout. That game was kind of a fluke. You don't expect Rodgers never throws pick sixes, and to throw basically two on back to back drives is just something that's not going to happen again. So I do like the Packers at home. I mean, going up to Lambeau is always tough. You know, Brady is used to that cold weather. I mean, he played twenty years in New England. It's not like something new to him. But um, yeah, the the Bucks skated by the Saints. I know we we're big fans of that. But if you watch, if you like actually watch the game, they really probably shouldn't have. Their offense didn't really do much, but the Saints' offense was just that much worse and didn't hold on to the ball. And their defense won that game. I know they um, they're getting V to V back, who's massive guy should help a little bit. But uh, should be should be a very exciting game in the NFC. 
Yeah, it, it's proven by the Bucks beating the Saints that what happened in the regular season doesn't always translate into the playoffs. And the Packers are the hottest team in the NFL right now. They're rolling. And I left that Bucks saints game thinking uh, the Rams could beat both those teams. If Jared Goff played the way he did this past Sunday, which was much better than what we've seen from Jared Goff over the last two months, the Packers may have already defeated their toughest opponent in the NFC. But uh, it's not a knock on the Bucs. I mean, they get Devin White back. He was awesome in the uh, NFC divisional round against the Saints. But, yeah, it was such a weird game. Uh, Tampa Bay, New Orleans this past week because like neither team was scaring you. Like we were both on the Bucks and we didn't feel like we should win. But also the Saints are only scoring on fluky plays in the first half. But then they're a Jared Cook fumble away from totally going to Green Bay and playing in this game. So it, it's very weird that the Packers were completely dominant against the Rams, all, although the Rams still played one of their better games of the year. I just don't feel like there's anything you could do to beat Green Bay right now. Yeah, especially up there in Lambeau. It's it's nice to see them have fans back in. They were full empty stadium like most of the teams were all season. So I know Roger said it was like the most exciting, the most excited he's been all year walking out and seeing fans in the stand. So, you know, it's going to be rocking up there. Maybe we can get a little little snowy weather again. I know it's supposed to be really cold like always. Sounds like a miserable place to live. But, yeah, um, Brady has obviously been here before. He's basically here every single year minus last year. So this might be the last time we get a significant – Rodgers Brady matchup they don't really play that much because they were always in separate conferences so yeah but I think it comes down to uh, it's gonna come down to the Packers offense against the Bucks defense obviously the Bucks just won that game with their defense Devin White was probably the MVP of that game he had a, the pick and the fumble recovery ran it back like 20 yards but uh, I, don't, I don't expect Rodgers to be slowed down he looks like a man on a mission and I would, I would like to see him get a second ring I feel like he deserves one I definitely feel like he deserves one. And yeah, Green Bay, probably a miserable place to live. It's going to be 25 degrees. There's like a 50% chance of snow. If it snows, that will be awesome. Such a visually pleasing game. But at the same time, it's like if you live in Green Bay, you kind of get to be a an owner of the team. They don't have an owner. They're owned by the community. So that's a nice little consolation prize for freezing all the time. On the other side, two teams with a million storylines between them. The Buffalo Bills edged out the Ravens this past weekend, and they will appear in their first conference championship since 1994. So you and I, we have literally never seen it. And then we have the Chiefs, the defending champions, who somehow always find a way to do the bare minimum but still win. Patrick Mahomes goes out last week. He's hurt. CBS reports during the game that he is out with a concussion. Not that he's being evaluated for a concussion, that he has a concussion. They've walked that all the way back. Jay Glazer, after the game, was saying he got like choked out MMA style. They're going to say anything they can to get Patrick Mahomes on the field on Sunday. And it, it's worth noting that the Chiefs totally should have lost to the Browns. Yeah, uh, I think. Everybody kind of thought that the Browns were going to win once Mahomes went out. The concussion play did look weird because it never really looked like he hit his head anywhere. He might have hit it a little bit on the ground, but you see that pretty much every play. Uh, I don't think they'll be running many more of those read options with Mahomes, not only in this next game, but in the just in the future at all. You don't. He's the last guy you want getting hurt if you just paid him five hundred plus million. But yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. There was no doubt even as soon as the game went final. There's no doubt that Mahomes is going to be playing next week, even if he did have a concussion. They're not sending Chad Henney out there to go to the Super Bowl. But this game is going to be awesome. I mean, even with Mahomes, I think the, the Bills still have a chance to win this game. They're You said earlier the Packers are the hottest team in the league, but honestly it might be the Bills because the only game they've lost since week seven, I think, is that Kyler Murray, Hail Mary. So, I mean, they could easily be on like a 12, 13-game win streak right now. And they haven't played their best game in the playoffs yet either. I know the Chiefs kind of been skating by, but 
The Bills beat the Colts. They honestly probably should have lost that game. Rivers made a few mistakes, and Blankenship, a really good kicker, missed a 33-yard field goal, or they might have lost in the first round. And then that Ravens-Bills game was really a toss-up until the Lamar pick six. So I'd say I'm more excited for this game, even more so than Rodgers versus Brady, just because I really Josh Allen's my favorite player in the league, and I, I, I love watching Patrick Mahomes play too. So hopefully we get one of these shootouts we've been expecting because all these games have been pretty low scoring. Yeah, it feels like it's been under City, and that's why I said the Packers instead of the Bills, because you're right, they haven't played their best playoff game, their best game seemingly in weeks. Zach Moss is out. They're basically playing with no running back. Devin Singletary, another astonishing stat line, seven carries for 26 yards. Worst running back in the NFL remains on one of the four remaining teams. There's a lot going on here, but Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's going to play. The NFL may care about a concussion if it's like a nickelback, but not if it's their chosen hero, Patrick Mahomes. The line is Chiefs by three. And I think that that says that Mahomes is probably going to play because if he wasn't going to play, the Chiefs would probably be minus three. Chad Henney's five and 22 in his yeah. last 27 as a starter. He's not a good player. Literally everything, the Stars had to align for the Chiefs to get out of there with a win against the Browns. Dude had to fumble through the end zone. If that doesn't happen, they lose. But the only way Mahomes doesn't play is if he says, look, I'm part owner of the Kansas City Royals, and that's enough for me. I'm out. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think Mahomes was probably trying to come in last week, to be honest. But, well, I mean, we don't know. He obviously – if a guy can't stand up on his own, it's probably – the league's probably not going to let him back in there. But I'm sure that Mahomes was in the locker room trying to convince his way back in. I heard he passed, like, most of the concussion tests or whatever. But would have been a bad look on the league if he came back in. Chad Henney did just enough. He actually looked pretty solid besides that one arm punt he had. I don't that was maybe the worst throw in NFL history given the time, circumstance, stage. But he did he made the the screen throw to Tyree Kill that won the game. Um I don't think any coach in the league besides Andy Reid's probably calling that there, but love to see it. Um I'm always a fan of trying to end the game if you can and always against what the Browns did and punting the ball, knowing you may never get it back. Just probably the most brutal way to lose in all of sports when you know your team's punting the ball, and you know there's a really good chance you're not going to get it back. But at the same time, it was Chad Henney, so I guess it's a little different. They probably wouldn't have done that if Mahomes was out there. But, yeah, hell of a ever from the Browns, and hopefully they uh, stay relevant for a while. The league's better when they're relevant. Yeah, the Browns are a good team. They had a great year. They definitely should have won that game. That is still going to haunt Browns fans forever. And that's the thing. Like, you can have the best season you've had in 20 years. If you don't wind up holding that trophy, something is going to haunt you and bother you until the next season starts. It's the nature of sports. But let's get to our picks. I need to preface this with a story. So when I was younger, I was introduced to point spreads by my grandfather. That's Pappy. We used to go in the newspaper and circle which side we liked every single week and I would always you know take all the favorites I, I haven't matured a ton since I was seven championship Sunday 2001 I suffered a terrible loss as a seven-year-old I was all over the Minnesota Vikings minus one against the New York Giants I had my Randy Moss purple jersey on I was ready to go and man did a money tumor and I kill your me up 41 to zero. I remember hiding in my closet as he walked around the entire house looking for me, attempting to let me know that I was, in fact, an idiot. It didn't feel good. So this weekend, historically, isn't my best for predictions. Packers minus three against the Bucks. We got 25 degrees. Could be some snow. Bucks 38 to 10 in week six. Looked it up. Two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Best wide receiver in football against the best receiving core in football. 
playoff Lenny against Aaron. Pass me a bottle. Mr. Jones, two of my all-time favorites in college football. Louisville great Jair Alexander leading Green Bay's defense and LSU legend Devin, Old Town Road, White leading Tampa Bay's. What do you got? I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I'm, I'm going with the Packers minus three here. I mean, just in Lambeau and Rodgers, I mean, maybe drafting Jordan Love was the best thing the Packers ever did. I mean, I know they got a ton of crap for it on draft night, but Rodgers, he's always been good, but he's, he's taken it to another level this year. He's been back to his... 10 years ago, Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't see them at least not reaching the Super Bowl. The Lambeau is probably the toughest place to play as far as weather. I know the fans aren't full capacity, but there's still some people there. I'd say it's probably the hardest place to go get a win in the playoffs. So I'm going to roll with Rodgers. I think he's just better than Brady at this point in their careers. Um, the defense probably lean. The Bucks defense is probably better, but I don't know if defense really matters that much. The Rams defense is awesome and Rodgers didn't really seem to have that much trouble with him. He made the plays when he needed to. So I'm going to go with the Packers at home, minus three. Uh, hopefully they get to the Super Bowl. I'd much rather see them. I'm, I've seen Tom Brady play nine Super Bowls. I'm good. Yeah, the, the two best play callers in the NFL are Matt LaFleur and Andy Reid. I think that's a safe bet. Uh, what Matt LaFleur has done to this Packers offense, he's taken all the talent in the world and he's kind of reinvented it in a sense that it kind of works in this new age of football. Rodgers is bought in. I love the Packers here. I love them to win this week. I love them to win the Super Bowl. They just eye test. They look the best of anyone that we've seen play over the last few weeks. So I'm riding with the Packers. But again, with all of these games, it wouldn't surprise me if anything went another way versus what we see. Because yeah. all these teams can beat each other. Another reason that we have to take the Packers is because Bruce Aarons is a idiot. I don't want to bet on a team coach by him. He wasted so many first downs with two-yard Leonard Fournette runs last week and they really lucked into that win, like we said. I mean, Breeze throws a basically pick six, big fumble by Jared Cook, or the Saints might have put that game away. Um, I know LaFleur is kind of a new guy, but I will take him over Arians all day. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And Bruce Arians, he's just so red over there. You know, you can just tell he's freaking out all the time. He's sweating. I mean, he, he could pass out in Green Bay with the combination of how hot he is with how cold it is there. It's something to look out for. But that – so we, we kind of – we were on the same side of about everything last week. That's that's how you and I found a way to go 4-0. If we would have picked against each other, one of us would have gone 3-1, you know, something like that. But now we're, we're on the same side there. I have a feeling that things are going to change as we they talk are. about this next game. The other side, the AFC, which is going to be one of two things. It's going to be the defending champions against a team who's happy to be there, or it is going to be the model of complacency in our modern society, the Kansas City Chiefs, against a hungry, Bills unit, Chiefs are minus three. Mahomes is definitely going to play. The line is very low. If that's the case, they should probably be four and a half or five if Mahomes is out there healthy. Who are you rolling with? So th this one hurts me because, like I said, Josh Allen is my favorite player. I love the Bills. On a more serious note, Bills Mafia, best fan base in Louisville or in, in the NFL. I love that they're donating all that money to for Lamar's charity, which was actually started by our good friend Kendall Hammerstrom's mom before she passed away. So. Love all the publicity that Blessings in a Backpack's getting. If you have any disposable income, great charity to donate to. So I love Bills Mafia. Love Josh Allen. Love the Bills overall. Love Diggs, all that. But I have a rule. I tweeted it out. If the Chiefs are ever minus three with Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, I'm taking them every time. Plus, they're at home. I mean, you the Chiefs have been complacent as far as they haven't covered the spread in, what, nine weeks now, whatever it is. But at yeah, the just same, nine. Just at, nine the, weeks. at the same time, before Mahomes went out last week, they got points on every single drive. Like they, I know the I know the Bills' defense is better than the Browns, but Mahomes is still the best player in the league. 
Tyreek Hill's still the fastest wide receiver alive. Travis Kelsey's probably the best tight end in the league. Maybe George Kittle, but he didn't really do anything this year because he was hurt. So I love I love Josh Allen. Um, they are going to be very good for very long. I think this Chiefs Bills might turn to a little uh, Patriots Colts type rivalry as long as um, Allen and Allen and Mahomes stay in town and stay healthy. But this time I'm going to ride with Mahomes and the Chiefs at home. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the minus three super square. I'm taking both home favorites minus three, but I just think they're the two best teams in the league. I'll take the Bills. <laughs> I'll take the Bills here. I had my hoodie on last week. I needed the Bills to win so badly against the Raven guys. You, you have no idea how badly I needed the Bills to win that game. And you know what? They went out and did it. I, I love everything about this Buffalo Bills team. I love their fan base. I love what they stand for. And some people wake up in the morning and just want it more. And that is what I'm looking at here. I, I'm betting on this game based on philosophy, not on what's going on on the football field. The Chiefs have mailed it in for this entire season just oh we're so much better than everyone we're gonna coast i will take the bills here we we like the browns to cover the spread last week but not necessarily beat them we were totally right about that if the chiefs win this week it's not gonna shock me but i do think that either the bucks or the packers will beat them when you don't try your hardest when you don't wake up and give it your best you're not gonna get the best results out of what you want. And and that's the Kansas City Chiefs this year. They're going to have to get punched in the mouth, and they're going to have to get in the offseason and figure it out, figure it out how to try again. This team is filled with guys like Tyreek Hill, not good guys out there misbehaving, you know, having zero class. Mahomes, he can barely walk also without his concussion thing. And maybe that's the whole, like, I'm a star, look at me, I'm going to limp around and make it look like I'm doing this to you while I'm hurt too. It's the Bills. The Bills are the example of what you should try to wake up and be every single day in your life. They're doing all this with a basically handicapped guy in the backfield, Devin Singletary. I will take the Bills here. Bills plus three. I will continue to ride with them. This is going to be my last chance because next week uh, or in two weeks they're going to play Aaron Rodgers. And they're probably going to lose. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bills went out there and beat the Chiefs by 17-plus. That would surprise me. If they beat them by more than seven, I'll be shocked. It wouldn't surprise me. This is one of those bets that uh, obviously I want to win my bet, but when this is one of the few that I'm, I'll be okay if I lose. As long as the Bills win outright, I'm going to be super pissed off if the Chiefs win by one or two points, and I'll just be double pissed. Because I do love the Bills. I would love to see them reach the Super Bowl, especially Josh Allen. But it just feels like the teams that always pop up. Like, I know the Bills were okay last year. They made the playoffs, but they didn't win. It always feels like a team that kind of arrive on the scene. They never win at all the first year that they're there. It just, I mean, they're going to be good for a long time. Everybody on their team's super young, on contract, not even getting paid a lot yet. So the Bills are definitely uh, here to stay, but I, I can't go against the Chiefs. I know they're complacent or whatever. They're also have lost one game with their starters playing in the last year and a half. And it was to the Raiders all of all people. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I say they're complacent. They, you know, it's a good stat. They're 24 and one in their last 25. So what it's going to be 24 and two after this weekend, that energy of the Drake back to back song. They don't have any of that. You know, nobody likes them. And, and honestly, I mean, he, he's going to limp out there. I, I'd be surprised if he finished the game. He shouldn't even be playing. He has a concussion and they're just going to lie, lie to everyone about it. Everybody's going to be complicit because they want to see their Mahomes versus Allen AFC championship. Mahomes with his, with his Coors Light and his cool Instagram sponsored ads. You know what? I don't like him anymore. I don't like him. And uh, I do like the Buffalo Bills. So I'll be on the Bills. And uh, yeah, we're, we're not we're not going to go 2-0. One of us can go 0-2. Hopefully that's not me because I really don't want to see Brady in another Super Bowl. But um, 
I would. I think the matchup I would like to see the most would be the Packers and the Chiefs. I know they're the two favorites, and that's like super square, whatever the two one seeds. But I just think they're the two best teams. I think the um, like the offensive output in that game would be better. Uh, Bills Bucks is probably the least exciting. Would be a huge Bucks Bills fan in that because I I don't need any more Brady championship rings or whatever. So Bills Bucks would be kind of cool because I have them at sixteen to one to meet in the Super Bowl. And uh, for what it's worth, if you know if you might want to consider this in my picks, I have the uh, Bills Packers to meet in the Super Bowl at nine and a half to one. I have nothing with the Chiefs, so I personally badly need the Bills to win that game. And then whoever wins the NFC, you know, I'm, I'm kind of kind of cool with. It's fine. You're not, you're not hedging with a little Chiefs money line on either one of those. Yeah, we'll see. We'll Glad see where we're at. Sunday evening, I'll probably freak out with a ton of anxiety and, and find a way to um, lose both. The that's the late game, right? Sunday. Yeah, the that's NFC? the late game. Yeah, so I get to watch the NFC and enjoy it, and then figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's it's very good. I'm I'm very happy that that's not going to happen first. But yeah, it's it's such an interesting game because both teams have terrible running backs, right? Like if if Clyde Edwards-Helaire can't play for the Chiefs. Then you have Daryl Williams and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, I mean, that guy, he is a ghost. We thought that was a huge pickup at the time. He cannot get more than two yards. Devin Singletary cannot do anything. I cannot say that enough. The receiving course kind of cancel out. I mean, I'd say the Chiefs are probably a little bit better because they have Hill and Kelsey. And with the Bills, the only guy you're really scared of is Diggs. And then both defenses, like they, they've been shown up throughout the year. But also lately, they've both played really well. And both quarterbacks are absolute stars and you look at the Ravens Bills game last week Lamar's running for his life the whole game everybody's mad at Lamar Lamar got no blocking the entire game Josh Allen was barely touched he was just standing back there and then we see Mahomes he gets hurt so I don't know I mean it's gonna be a great game and like I said the Randy Moss story I don't typically do all that well so you may want to roll with Austin there we'll see a weekend watch list a lot going on this weekend PGA tournament that uh I'll be invested in a little bit it's it's a weird one they got like the first round being played on thursday somewhere and then the rest of the tournament is played elsewhere I, what? You know, yes yeah it's uh the like american how far, how far away elsewhere i couldn't tell you i just heard that today and i was like man that is so interesting but yeah brooks kapka mickelson can't lay fowler all gonna be out there nets heat saturday night at 7 30 brooklyn's must see tv right now they're playing in the eastern conference defending champions that's a pretty good game it is on saturday though i know it's tough to get your nba fix in on a saturday it's more of a monday friday type deal College basketball, Louisville hosts Duke at 4 o'clock on Saturday. It's going to be a big one. Ohio State heads to Madison to face Wisconsin at 4. Ranked matchup between Missouri and Tennessee at 8.30. And then at 6 o'clock, my LSU Tigers coming off a 40-point absolute beating on Tuesday night to our travel Alabama. Head to Rupp Arena to face the consistent standard. Of SEC basketball. Oh, oh wait. Does that say 4-8? and eight? Yeah, the oh, Kentucky Wildcats. God. Are you ready to go to war? No, I don't care. It's over. <laughs> it's over for me. I don't care. Y'all got blasted last night too. How's it feel? Bama's good. I try to it tell didn't you. Feel good. I know. I yeah. I, it didn't feel good. Yeah. Bama is very good. Best team in the SEC by far. Yes. Especially with Tennessee getting absolutely on last night by Florida. That was surprising. Yes, it, it was surprising. But LSU, ten and three. You know, it hasn't been that bad of a year. All Louisville fans are freaking out because we're like nine and three or something. Say, like, hey, you know, come on, we're not going to beat everybody. We're not better than everybody. We're going to lose a bunch of games, but you know, we're going to go into Rupp, and it, there's a lot of risk and there's very little reward for me because I 
personally bring the same amount of energy to LSU Kentucky basketball games that I bring to Louisville Kentucky basketball games. It's just what kind of guy I am. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to listen to Eye of the Tiger like 60 times. But if you guys win, then you could do the whole, oh, you you lost to beat y'all with our grade school team. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Comments like that drives me nuts. And then if you uh, win, I say it to you and you're like, uh, I, don't, I, don't care. Over. I don't care. I mean, I, I want to get out there and win. I just don't think we're going to ever again. We played, we played, I mean, the season's already 98.7% of the way over. Like, need a miracle to even make the tournament at this point. We played Georgia tonight, who's not great, but it's at Georgia. We're somehow favored by four or five points. That's insane. We should never be favored by more than one over anyone. That's, but, that's why I was saying that you guys are going to be favored on Saturday. Like, Vegas just, they won't quit. You guys if are lucky. If we lose tonight, there's no way we're favored. But after tonight, we have... You lost by 40 yesterday. Oh, Yeah, that's true. After tonight, we have LSU, Bama, Texas, Missouri, Tennessee, Arkansas. Next six. So, we might... We already lost two in a row. We lose tonight. We might lose nine in a row. That worries me, yeah. Because, like, <laughs> LSU probably... They might be the worst team that you lose. I mean, we're going to play at Bama. They beat us by 40 or up. And then we have to play Texas. They're, like, the fourth best team in the country. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're um, absolutely blasted back-to-back games. And we're at Missouri. Missouri's pretty good this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, a good we have to win the SEC tournament, and we're like the ninth best team in the SEC. So glad there's That's no NIT this year. Yeah. I don't, I don't did know. you see they changed the tournament dates? Yes, I did. I, I hate Not that. Thursday to Sunday anymore. It's Friday to Monday, which yeah. kind, kind of cool on the front end, like Friday night, Saturday, let's party but really lame on the back end of Sunday, Monday. Yeah, I mean, Sunday is nice. You know, it, it gets you through the day. It, it kind of replaces the NFL. Yeah, Sunday, yeah. yeah, which is great. But Monday, I just, I don't know how, how to feel about it. Monday is where I wake up and I look at the lines for the next weekend yeah. games. That's going to be the most um, called in PTO takeoff day, whatever you want to call it, of the year. Maybe the day after the Super Bowl. Yeah, probably not around here. You know, it's a lot of a lot of Kentucky fans they won't be playing. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> I'm still excited for the tournament. I just I just don't have to stress this year. You know, yeah, not to, not to beat myself up because even if we even the years we do make it, it just ends in heartbreak. So who cares? Yeah, you still usually get like three wins though, which yeah. are all fun. Yeah, one of them's usually like a buzzer beater. And it's like the best night of the year, blackout, and then yeah, lose the next game on a on also said buzzer beater, and then sadness from months yeah i mean honestly I, I don't know why you'd be worried about anything you did win the gator bowl which yeah, was, that, that should get us to, that should at least get us to next september 100 I, I can't <laughs> say that either of my teams even competed at a bowl game which did not on that before the year were so long did not cover got backdoored twice in that game <laughs> we'll not forget yeah. it yeah, that, was that dude's bad. transferred. We we need to find out where that quarterback's transferred so we can just fade them all next year. <laughs> that dude is terrible. Yeah. yeah, I had NC State. It did not feel good. But, yeah, that about wraps it up. We'll see how it goes. This is going to be a really fun weekend. Uh, game started, what, like 3 o'clock on Sunday? The, yeah, the first game was like 3.05. They just threw a dart at a board and said, let's see what time we're going to start this week. 3.05 and 6.40. <laughs> I think it's been that way since the Michael Vick days. I mean, we – it's been three oh five and six forty. It's it's a calculated time and I like it because what's wrong with the, the four twenty five, eight fifteen when people staying up late? Yeah, I don't need to stay up late. They do that all year, though. A lot they do it all point. year. Yeah, no, I I like the way it is. So yeah, three three oh five we have Packers Bucks and then six forty we have the Bills against the Chiefs. It's going to be great. Austin, I will talk to you soon. I gotta break down this bachelor show because I I'm not happy.
All right, are we going to do a um, Madden Pro Bowl preview show for next no, week? No, no, Lord, no. Lord. We got a better ch- shot at talking about the inauguration. Great quality memes today. We're not getting into it. All right. <laughs> the Bachelor. Lexi Browning, Bachelor Red Talk Week 3. We are back. Another just riveting episode of this show. An hour and 24 minutes of action. And man, am I fired up to talk about it. How's it going? It's good. It's good. I thought this was a really good episode. What did you think? I didn't enjoy it. Didn't enjoy it very much, but I'm still going to be positive and and try to talk about it. Like, you know, like there's going to be more episodes and maybe it won't be the last thing that I see. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, how did you think it was good? What about it was good? Go ahead and tell me. OK, I think it took us through a lot of twists and turns. It started off like on a really juicy note and then it went through like a lot of emotional turns into like, I don't know, it ended on a pretty big tragedy. And I laughed. I cried. I, I went through it all this week. Okay, yeah, I was definitely closer to the crying than laughing, but mainly just crying at how I was spending my time in general. But yeah, we'll go ahead and dive into the episode. Uh, our preface scene, we've been getting these little preview. Wasn't as significant this week. It was uh, just Eddie Murphy's Shrek character messing up a makeout. So I was like, okay, cool. Nothing there. We start with Sarah being escorted out by the medics. That's where we left off last week. Victoria who, if you've been listening to our show, you know that we hate Victoria. And if you've been watching the show, then you hate Victoria. But Victoria was laughing at this, laughing at Sarah fainting. Uh, Yeah, I mean, someone's health is at stake. None of the girls care. All of them, not even just Victoria, think that Sarah flopped. She already had a rose. I I don't know why she would have a reason to flopped. Lexi, do you think that she flopped? No, not at all. I was taken aback at the fact that these people were willing to accuse her of faking this just right at the top of the show. Victoria says that uh, she needs to just keep it together and not faint because this is not the Sarah show. And, you know, if you're going to call someone out on like a health issue like that, you better be damn sure that it really is fake. So just felt like that was a pretty bold move on pretty much all of the women's part. Yeah, I mean, we literally see six different ones get interviewed, and they all, in a different way, basically say that Sarah flopped. I couldn't believe it. And to be fair, she is, like, immediately okay. Uh, Victoria doubles down, exactly like you said, saying this isn't the Sarah show. She might have dropped that line, like, five times. It's really creative. Need to hear it a few more times. But we finally get to the final roses. MJ advances like it's 96, and wow. Matt presents us with his first truly hateable moment as The Bachelor. He keeps Victoria around, sends Marilyn home just like the Big Ten does every year. This was hard to watch. Whole cast is disgusted. America is disgusted. Terrible job by Matt James here. Completely agree, and this is what I mean by he just hasn't paid his dues. I mean, the least he could do, if you're going to keep Victoria, at least keep them both around for another week and just like let things blow over and give them a chance again. I don't know. I felt like that was really unreasonable. Although in my heart of hearts, I didn't think Marilyn was ever going to be the one for Matt anyways, but she did handle the whole uh, situation really maturely and really gracefully. So 
yeah, to reward Victoria and to send Marilyn home there was just an egregious mistake. Like, like you said, Adam, I didn't think that she was going to win the show or anything, but he 100% should have kept them both around if he was going to keep Victoria around. That was atrocious. But group date time, uh, we're getting Matt out of his comfort zone here. That's the message. And it first appears that this group of women are walking into some sort of church. My God, it was quite the opposite. It was an erotic reading. In a book written by Chris Harrison, one of the girls actually goes as far as to say is she needs a bath immediately. And at this point, I know, you know, I'm probably not going to enjoy this episode. Okay, I know this is like shameful to admit, but this is like peak entertainment for me. I like was having a great time. I felt like it was really juicy. They had like the sexy electric guitar playing in the background as Ashley Iconetti is going from like girl to girl trying to get a sneak peek of their work. And I don't know. I just thought it was really funny. I was like laughing out loud and I I felt there was a turn in the season here while they're making these um, performances because it seems like they're all really getting along all of a sudden. Everyone's laughing at Victoria. She starts off her little speech being like, this is the celebration of the our royal engagement, and he smacks her ass hard. And everyone dies laughing. Like, everyone's eating this up, thinking this is hilarious. Wouldn't expect anything else from Victoria. Like, suddenly they're all friends now. And it was an enjoyable date. Everyone seemed to have a great time, except Sarah, who was ready to throw up. Yeah, what the hell is that? So so we're all friends with Victoria now? Now we all like her? I don't know what happened between the end of last week's episode and the start of this one, but that, that appeared to be the case, and I didn't understand it at all. And for anyone that doesn't know or had the TV playing with the sound off, I totally understand. Wish that was me. These girls all essentially just had to write a little erotic novel for Matt and the live studio audience. Live studio audience was just the other girls. Question for you, Lexi. Is this something that girls like, erotic novels? Um, I'm not really into erotic novels, but I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey did get a lot of like great reviews, bestseller, really. Okay, yeah. I, the only thing I really know about this stuff is I, I saw Red and that '70s show attack this storyline once, and it, it was hilarious. It was a great episode of that '70s show, and to be fair, by the end of the episode. All the characters involved, Kitty, Fez, Red, they all seem to really like erotic novels. But this was one of the most cringeworthy things I've ever watched on television. I'm trying to be positive about this show, but I will not blatantly lie to my Red Talk audience. I didn't laugh at this once. If anything, I was a little frightened. I was staring blankly at what Hulu had presented me. As I pulled out my iPhone from my cuffed sweatpants, I went on to open the notes feature and type, I f hate the show. Wow, that was really well written. Thanks. That's all that. But yeah, uh, most of it was just bleeped out and uh, random moaning. Truly did not enjoy it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why I like it. It's a little embarrassing, but like just being totally honest with you at this point in the show, I was like, oh, this is a good week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's good. It, it's it's good that you're on here because I, I absolutely did not have that thought. And I'm sure a lot of ladies listening to this right now, maybe, maybe they did enjoy that. You know, what What do I know? I, I'm you know, 26 year old dude. I, I didn't, didn't prefer it. Yeah, if they did, they probably wouldn't say it out loud. But I just want to also be transparent with our listeners. 
Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, some of these women, they get up there and they kind of go the Usher Trey songs route. Victoria goes the Megan Thee Stallion route. Uh, They essentially bleep out every single thing that she says. And what they didn't bleep out, I really wish they would have. I found myself once again hoping, praying that children do not watch the show. I thought it was funny when she was like, and then they both and she screamed. Now I got to bleep that out. Yes. Yes, queen. That was good. No, you know, no, I I don't understand why we, (laughs) why everybody is like, oh, she's funny now. Now we like her. Like she didn't do anything. If anything, she became more insufferable, which only went on throughout the episode. But yeah, I mean, I I guess it, it took these women and Matt out of their comfort zones. They had to get up there and, uh, just create some sexual fantasy and say it to him and all the other girls. But I I will say everybody seemed to really enjoy it. Like you said, it was, it was as much camaraderie as we had ever seen on this show when each of them are talking about how they fantasize over all of their boyfriends. Very, very interesting stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what I really liked about it is all of them like genuinely laughing and having fun. And they're like, my cheeks hurt because I was like laughing so much. Like it just seemed like a fun time. At least they weren't miserable. They get some one-on-one time after they talk about their Adam and Eve style presentations. And Matt, he kisses with his eyes open every time. So let's debate this. Is that okay? Is it not okay? I'd like to hear your thoughts on kissing with your eyes open. No, it's not okay. And it's especially not okay if you're The Bachelor and you're going to be kissing on national television a lot of times. This is like, he's not doing a great job. I feel like, like a lot of, a lot of marks down on him this week because he's showing his inexperience. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think it's okay. You know, Taylor Swift used to scream about keeping your eyes open. This is not what she was talking about. She was not talking about kissing. I mean, it's like the first thing you learn. You're going to the movies. You're 12 and 13. You're about to kiss a girl and your buddy who's been around the block, he tells you, make sure you close your eyes, bro. And it sticks with you for the rest of your life. I just don't get it how somebody could be that careless and unfocused in a situation that just requires the opposite. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people go on there and one of their major concerns is like, how am I going to look whenever I'm making out on TV? Like you at least like practice a couple times, maybe get some feedback. But I mean, we've seen this happen a few times. I didn't even mention it before because I was like, oh, maybe that was just like a weird one off time. But this is continuing to happen. It's an issue. Yeah, he's even making fun of himself on Twitter. He He's posting about it and acknowledging it. And to be fair, everything in life is a little harder to do with your eyes closed. You know, I think we're all blessed to not be blind, to to be able to see. It's a beautiful thing, but you, you just got to close your eyes, man. It, it's also not that hard since the dawn of time. Men and women have been closing their eyes when they kiss. I I just don't understand it. But let's jump into Sarah because that's kind of what happens next. And that ends up being what this entire episode is about. Fall from grace here, to say the least. I I still will say that I I still like Sarah, but she has no idea how this show works. She just cannot believe that Matt is going to hang out with anyone but her. And I think that this this route is just one of the most embarrassing routes a contestant can take on this show. She interrupts a date she isn't even on. Even Victoria says this is over the line, which you know is hilarious. But Matt essentially calms her down. He explains to her how the show that she came on works. And uh, they kiss a little bit. 
like I said, I don't think that Sarah has watched this show because this is an unwritten rule that she has violated here. And you have to know going into it that when you've had the most time of any of the other women and you're going to go show up on a date that you were not invited on, they're going to have an issue with that. They're going to have some things to say. And I feel like that's, that really is just like an unwritten rule of the show and you have to realize that you're going to get flack for that. And at this point, I'm watching her do this and I'm like, oh no, you're going off the deep end, sis. This is really bad. Don't do this to yourself. I think the only lead that has reacted positively to this move is like Claire Crawley. But um, anyway, he actually was really sweet to her. And I, it was uncomfortable. I had a lot of mixed emotions because I like Sarah and I also like Katie. And I didn't like that she was making Katie look weird by standing there behind that like weird wall thing. I don't know. I just didn't like it. It made everyone look unflattering. It made Matt even look unflattering. And I don't know, a lot of mixed emotions because I do understand where she's coming from. And I do feel like it was weighing on her so heavily that she did need to speak to him like pretty immediately. So... I don't know. What did you think? I, I thought it was a rare situation in this show because I thought everybody was a little right. You know, I understand that it's weighing on Sarah, but she should have waited. Her co-contestants are right about that, that it could have waited. She could have chilled. She has to know how the show works. I think that Matt clearly likes Sarah more than everybody else on this show. So Matt kind of has to calm her down. He doesn't want her to just leave and forfeit match. And, and Katie, she had every right to be furious. She was very assertive. And, you know, she wants to look cool in front of her friends. She doesn't want to be the one that gets punked by Sarah, who's not even on the date. And Sarah, after the fact, to be fair to Sarah, she goes and apologizes to all the girls. And then they just non-on-one her. And Sarah's kind of, you know, Katie Heron at the beginning of Mean Girls. She's not ready. For the mean girls. And right here, you know it's not going to end well for her because you essentially have the entire house about to gang up on her. Oh, absolutely the whole house gangs up on her. But, like, up to this point, I'm just thinking, like, don't do this, Sarah. You really don't need to do this. And she goes on and she does it. But right after she goes and she makes a public apology to everyone on the date and goes on to be like, I'm really sorry, like... I didn't want to interrupt your date. I just really needed a quick moment with Matt. I want you all to like enjoy the rest of your night. And they just completely shut her down. They're like, sorry, you came after the fact. So I really don't want to hear your apology. And you're not telling us why you came here. So you didn't really tell us anything at all. And just sort of pick her apart. It's like watching an already wounded animal just be tortured further. It hurt to watch. And then you see her have like a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Katie and with Victoria afterwards where they're just hammering at home. Like, why did you come here? This was the wrong move for you. And she's like has this kind of funny moment where she reaches out to Victoria's hands and grabs them and is like desperately like begging for her friendship being like, yeah, I thought we had a good connection. And Victoria's like, yeah, but like, why are you here? Like the girls are confused. It was really sad. And also I want to say that like, this is something that I feel like always happens to the girl who gets the first one-on-one -on -one, where her feelings advance so much quicker than the rest of the group to where whenever they're doing these like group dates where stuff is happening, it's just way more hurtful for her than it is for the rest of the group because they've already had that bond. 
And it's just sad to see. I feel like it is understandable, but also concerning because it's like, get it together, Sarah. You could have just laid low all the way to the end if you would have just held on. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. And I think, you know, with this show, it's not just what you do. It's how you do it. And I thought that Sarah doesn't really act with any sort of ego. Like there's no sense of evilness to Sarah. I thought everything she did was like true and honest. And she was trying to apologize. And these girls all just went and did what girls do on this show. They try to make it all Sarah's fault. Oh, wow, wow, wow. It's Sarah's fault. I didn't get my time. I didn't get a rose. Figure it out. You know, figure it out. All I hear are excuses there. I was mad at Sarah for like a second, but then they just kept piling it on. And then I hated all of them. You know, they all want to just analyze what's going on to kind of make up for the lack of progress that they made. And look, it clearly at this moment and for the rest of the episode looks like Matt liked Sarah more than the rest of them. So I don't hate their plan of trying to tear her down and getting her to go home because it might help them get to the finish line personally. But I did think it was sickening to watch and that they should all be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, I also agree that like, I think it just felt to the rest of the women that this is the blatant villain. Like no one comes in here and makes a move that drastic without being the villain of the show. So they are trying to like capitalize on that and have like this like empowered moment where they just like sort of call the villain out on their bullshit. But they're off the mark because Sarah's not really a villain. She just didn't know the rules. Like there was no malintention there. She just made a mistake and then she tried to apologize for the mistake. That's really all there all that happened. And it just got blown way out of proportion. And there's a little thing called forgiveness, girls. Like, chill out. It really didn't seem like she took up the entire night or anything. Yeah, there's no way that little moment from Sarah makes or breaks anybody's time on this show. I thought that was a complete joke, but, you know, whatever. What are you going to do? I I did think that everybody was a little bit right and a little bit wrong in this situation, so it's a wash. It's just a bummer how it ended. But we we get a one-on-one. It goes to Serena. All the other girls are pissed that it went to Serena, let me tell you. And she kind of did slightly taunt them, like, ha-ha. This is cool for me, but it would suck to be you guys. But Serena essentially just roasts Matt for having a turtle, and they hang out with several donkeys, and that's all I got here. Yeah, nothing really of note. I would say that I would put her, like, right below Brie on the one-on-one scale or maybe, like, about equal with her where it was a pleasant time and everything. But Sarah is still the clear runaway as far as her connection with Matt. There's just no one touching that so far. Yeah, it was just all kind of boring. You know, she's she's falling in like with him. You know, it's great. But she she gets a rose, of course, because everyone that has a one on one gets a rose and they celebrate it with some champagne in the hot tub. They make out for a while. The end. But back to Sarah. Victoria is is just loving that the house has a new enemy. I mean, she's ready to be the leader to lead these women into more sorrow and just all acting like her. And they all know that Matt likes her the most and they just try to smoke her out. I I didn't get it. I I just hated this. Like I I hated this part. And I was looking at Twitter during the episode. I was at the UofL game, so I couldn't watch it live. And I kind of, you know, got a vibe that this was going on, but everybody was just tearing Sarah down. And I was thinking, Oh, 
we were right. She's the escort. It could not be more wrong about that. Sarah is way too nice and too innocent to be the escort. I, I just didn't think that what she did warranted this type of reaction on any level. And I think that the rest of this season has an asterisk on it, no matter who wins. Because I think Matt, a little part of him, is always going to think I should be with Sarah. Yeah, especially like, I don't know, the part whenever he came over to pick up Serena for the one-on-one and then looked around and Sarah wasn't there and he's like, give me five minutes. He goes upstairs and he just like lays on her body in the bed. And something about them together really just seems supernatural and real to me. Like that seems like how I am with Cole. I don't know. It just, I could really feel their connection and in that moment, she knew that she could not leave. And I think right there, that was like her true answer of like, yeah, this situation is going to suck with the women, but I'm here for Matt and I should not leave. And that's how I felt going on through this. And um, seeing these girls talk shit about Sarah, it just doesn't end. I mean, they really hate her. Yeah, I mean, Kit goes as far to say, you know, you may have a better connection with Matt, but your time in this house is is basically going to be hell for the rest of the time you're here. It's like, okay, Kit, you're 17. Like, can we can we see your driver's license just for a second before we start tearing somebody down? I just wish I could have been there to stand next to Sarah and respond to all these people for her. Because you know what? They all suck. Everybody, everybody on the season sucks. I don't I don't like any of them except for Sarah. And I'm really not happy about how this went down. I thought that they treated Sarah so much worse than they treated Victoria weeks one and two. And the lack of compassion was very eye opening. Shout out to Matt there. But this season, asterisk, put it on it. I mean, there's no way. Maybe she comes back at the end. I mean, there are no rules. We have to remember that there are no rules. But I think Matt and Sarah meet in real life at a bar, at a restaurant or something. It works, but Sarah's just not cut out for this reality TV world. Yeah, and that's the thing is I'm like, I uh, whenever it showed her leaving, it felt a lot more like she was leaving because of her own insecurities and she just doesn't think she can handle this process, which I think is a way more valid reason to leave than just sort of getting bullied out of it because I'm like – let it pass. Like you're clearly in the right here. I don't know if these women are ever going to be nice to you or if you can ever leave your hotel room during this entire time. But I mean, stay here and see it through for yourself and for Matt. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was hoping for. I I just, I don't know if I'd ever been so like disappointed at the ending of an episode throughout my entire experience with the show. And like the odds on that happening in an episode three of any season are just, so small it's it, it was just such a weird ending like i just feel like everything's gonna feel incomplete from here on out and the next thing on my notes here is the preview and and that's crazy i mean we have 22 minutes on tape now about this and that's not like a short amount of time but isn't it crazy that that's really all that happened i mean we literally spent 55 minutes of these girls just bashing her i just thought it was dog yeah it it went on for way too long it really kind of hurt to just see how much time was spent on them just absolutely berating this girl. And it, I mean, she did make a mistake, but she also did apologize it. And it seemed like a lot of the women were hammering home that they hated her because she wasn't going to face any of them. I'm like she came down and tried to address this multiple times now. So I don't understand why you're saying that she's hiding away because she has tried to apologize and you just will not accept it. And then don't know why she's not hanging out with you. It just doesn't make sense. 
And it it really sucked to watch. Also, I think that Katie is probably the best girl on the cast because she's able to actually see Sarah as a human being, call it out, say, I didn't like listening to all of that. Like, are you okay? And she just seems like an empowered badass. She's standing out to me as someone really special. I just love Katie. She's a she is the dildo girl, but turns out she's just like a well-rounded gem. I did uh, appreciate that that Katie did that. You know, I mean, I, that was the only one on the entire cast that had any sort of sympathy for her at all. And I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, there are so many people left on this season. We've seen so few eliminations and for only one to show any sort of compassion and, and for that one to be the one that was directly affected by what went wrong. I mean, I, I think that looks good on her, but uh, we have no idea what's going to happen anymore. I mean, Sarah was a clear favorite in this show and it wasn't because she's, we said she was a favorite. It was because Matt liked her more than the rest of the girls and she's gone. So this is weird. I mean, what happened with Claire and Dale last season, leaving in the middle of it. And then we got Tayshia like that was weird, but, this is weird. This girl was runaway, and she she definitely messed up at the beginning of the episode, which she only apologized for ninety times. And and now here we are. We're we're left without a favorite. I have no clue who's going to win the show. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there is a possibility that she could come back and give like a shocking return, like seventy percent of Tasha's contestants did. And I think he would t- have her back immediately if she did, because that breakup again, was so real. The part whenever she was like, I wish you could see my heart and their forehead to forehead. And Matt's like, I feel it. Like that was really, really sad. That was, oh yeah, it was a sad time. I hated, I hated it actually. Now that we're talking about it, maybe I didn't like this week as much as I thought I did, but. Oh yeah. It's and uh, to, to be fair, just to get all the facts on the table, Sarah was dating G easy, the rapper in March, 2020. What? Yeah, you know, G Easy, he's got that song. Kind of a banger, but yeah, uh, she was dating him in March. So, like, I think Sarah's going to be okay. Oh my God. (laughs) That's crazy. I cannot see her with the rapper boyfriend. Yeah, very hard to believe. I didn't see that coming at all, especially after this week, right? And I found that out before this week started. But yeah, she just seems so pure and nice and. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I'm going to go follow her on Instagram and like everything she posts. I mean, she's no Victoria Fuller for me, but I I do like her a lot. Yeah. And also just looking forward, I I really am a fan of Katie. She's giving me faith in womankind. And I really liked how she kind of stood up for Sarah at the end and gave all the women like a much needed reminder of like, how about we all just like try to stay classy because we don't know everyone's story. There is like a really big family thing also happening here. So yeah. And everyone seemed to like really respect what she had said and it, it went over well with the rest of the women. So I feel like Katie may not end up with Matt, but I could see her as maybe the next bachelorette. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite a stretch to say the least, but yeah, I, I think that everybody involved in the Sarah bashing should have to serve a one week suspension. But when we look at the preview, it, it looks like Chris Harrison might've watched this episode and said, you know what? I don't like how you guys behaved here. I didn't appreciate it. I thought that, uh, several mistakes were made in the casting process, getting you guys here, watching you guys bully out a nice person. So guess what, girls? I can do whatever I want. I'm Chris Harrison. I'm going to bring 
more girls back because we got the field down to what, like 24? We have to get more people in there. We have to make sure that. 2,000 shorties want to tie the Lexi, what are we going to see next week? I don't know. Probably just a lot of people really pissed off that there's five new strangers coming into the house. That's really all I saw from the preview. You know, I mean, Victoria's obviously going to be sticking around. Got to get more of her on TV. But yeah, they're going to bring in some new girls. And I wasn't a huge fan of this with the guys. And they actually had reason to do so because there was a new Bachelorette. But, you know, it made less sense when we found out that guys like Noah were pulled from a larger pool that were actually being casted for Claire still. So it didn't make a ton of sense. But I love the whole like you vibe of these women behaved terribly last week they showed no class no remorse for their actions bring in some new ones i don't know it seems like a pretty horrible idea to me well it's going to create chaos we we know it's going to create a ton of chaos because all of these women are, are so on their high horse they think that the only reason they're not winning the show is because of what everybody else is doing. God forbid it's it's just them and, and they suck and they're not outgoing enough and they're not going to figure it out. But I like this move. You know, if this is what we're going to do, if we're going to take what's wholesome and what's right about the show and we're going to toss it out the window and we're going to bully somebody out of here, fine. Let the chaos ensue. I just think this is so stupid and unnecessary. Like this is only week three. Like we already have a lot of chaos, a lot. We don't need to start mixing the pot already. Like, Jeez, we already just had a crazy episode. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's dumb, but hopefully they have a few good ones. I'm wondering if Heather's going to be one of the five to come in, but they didn't show it on the preview, and I feel like they would definitely hype that up a lot more if it was. All right, help me out here. Who is Heather? Heather is the never-been-kiss girl from Colton's season that's friends with Hannah Brown. Okay, so she may be a factor. Yes, but I think since she's a past contestant, they would show her on the preview. So they may bring her in just like randomly at another time whenever things start dwindling down. There's not enough chaos for literally 0.5 seconds. Yeah, I mean, the show is filled with it and they have done a good job so far with the previews. You know, I, I did not know that Sarah was going to go home. I, they they kind of hinted at it, but I didn't think she'd really go home. She's a massive favorite to win the show. And, and she did end up going home and, you know, some things that they just happen. They don't always end well. This is a reality TV show and it's not exactly the best way to start a relationship. As we've learned, we'll end the show with Claire and Dale to everyone's surprise. They've decided to break up that, uh, the bond they built, after getting to know each other for four and a half days, it, it wasn't enough. They got engaged. Uh, no babies, as far as I know, did not actually get married. They made some sweet TikToks together, but it has come to an end. Do you have any final words for Claire and Dale? Claire, honey, I'm so sorry. I, uh, I knew that you had up from day four, but never want to see a girl this down. It, it actually is sad, and I read an article about it, and it sounds like Claire wants to stay closer to home where she can be with her mom and Dale wants to go focus on his career and live in a busy city. So when you put it like that, Claire just seems a little bit selfish, if you ask me. I mean, not Claire. Dale seems selfish. Claire also seems just kind of old. And this is what we kind of got from the entire season. We were presented with this tell-all where 
you know, they asked Dale what he wants from the future. And Dale's like, well, you know, we're just going to see what happens. We're engaged. And Claire's like, babies, babies, Dale, we have to have six kids in six years. And Dale's like, ah, man, I don't know if I wanted to do that. I just wanted to go on the show, maybe win because I thought you were hot. I didn't know we were going to have to have six kids in six years. And Claire was like, nope, we're having six kids. And then once they get off camera and Chris Harrison's no longer holding that gun, like just barely in their vision, like you guys better get engaged and married. And then. <laughs> Dale's like, I, I don't see him anywhere. In fact, I see him on my f TV. He's right there. He can't be two places at once. I'm getting the hell out of here. So the hypnosis put on Dale Moss has come to an end and he's free to go about his life, which I, I think is nice. You know, I think freedom is something that always should be celebrated. Well, I think that's a good way to end this week. Yeah, I'll be back next week. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? It, it looks like uh, everybody's going to be really pissed and it looks like Sarah's not going to be there. So I'm going to be pissed. Lexi. Great job. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. TTYL.